Hello and welcome to another Exploring Unbound Going Deeper podcast. This is Terry and Father Boniface will be with us again today. Father Boniface Hicks is a Benedictine monk who is the chaplain for our Pittsburgh-Greensburg Unbound team. Father Boniface, welcome. Thanks, Terry. Great to be with you and all of our listeners. I was thinking about what we should talk about today, and I thought about sort of starting at the beginning and building upon some things. I thought, you know, we're we're talking about being unbound, and the ministers help people to become unbound from the spiritual bondages in their life. And I thought maybe we could delve a little deeper into what keeps people bound and what exactly is spiritual bondage. Yeah. What's coming to me is to approach that, first of all, from uh, the perspective of uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola. He was a real gift in the church and a master of discernment of spirits. And he really builds his whole system of discernment of spirits on the concepts of spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation. And I think everybody would recognize that experience in their own lives. Spiritual consolation are those at at its greatest extreme is the kind of experience, almost like a transfiguration experience where we really feel lifted up. Our hearts are lifted to God. We feel filled with peace joy, maybe tears, move to tears of gratitude, repentance. We're really caught up in the the scriptures and the mysteries, just beautiful prayer experiences. That's a kind of far end of spiritual consolation. And and then a little, the lower end of spiritual consolation would just be peace. You know, we go to pray and uh, our hearts are kind of stilled and, and things filter out and we feel most ourselves. And and we just feel at peace, maybe a little joy. We have a sense of the Lord's presence. All of that is spiritual consolation. St. Ignatius says that's caused by the good spirit. He doesn't make any effort to distinguish between the Holy Spirit and the angels. And, but he says it's caused by the good spirit to have a spiritual focus and, and those feelings. And the words that come to us, he says, in that context are, we can, are more trustworthy. We can believe they come from God. And this kind of thing has filtered out into the general public. People say, well, did you have peace? You know, do you have peace about that? I'm going to make a decision. I'm, I need to bring something up with my boss. I need to make a decision at work. I'm switching jobs. I'm doing something. Do you have peace about that? Yeah, I got to follow the peace, you know, That's sort of how this uh, works its way into common spirituality, I suppose. But to look at it from the Ignatian perspective, that would be spiritual consolation would be the peace that comes together with that thought of, I need to take this action. I need to talk to this person. I feel God's close to me, et cetera. St. Ignatius says spiritual desolation is the opposite of all of those things. In spiritual desolation, we feel drawn to low and earthly things. We feel that God is distant from us. We feel that he's abandoned us. We feel disturbed and distracted. We feel, uh, upset about uh, what's what's happening or that he's that he's far away from us we feel uh, maybe some uh, even kind of uh, depressive or negative anyway you know sort of the heavy 
and it's hard to connect with God at all. And I'm really just rooted in my own life. I'm that much more subject to temptations and distractions. So and St. Ignatius says, this is caused by the bad spirit. And the only kind of bad spirit there is, is, is uh, demons, you know, is the, the bad, the fallen angels are the, the bad spirits. And then he makes a distinction between spiritual desolation and non-spiritual, or maybe we could say natural desolation. And the fact is, if things are kind of going badly in my life, I've got some bad stuff happening. And the way that Father Timothy Gallagher, he's really a wonderful teacher in these subjects. He says, non-spiritual desolation is the seedbed for spiritual desolation. So when I've got bad stuff going on in my life, if I have interpersonal conflicts, I'm having a bad day at work, I didn't get enough sleep last night, um, I got the flu, I've got some chemical depression, you know, or some other things that, that are not necessarily spiritual, but I'm in a, in a foul mood, you know, all of that kind of stuff. That's the seedbed for spiritual desolation. It's real easy for the enemy to kind of work his way into that and, and start to sow those, those lies. God doesn't care about you. Your life's not worth anything. Or to start to stir up some of those, you know, maybe we're a little bit more subject to uh, angry outbursts or to different kinds of vices, lust or gluttony or uh, whatever, ways of, of medicating ourselves, numbing ourselves. And we're going to be more prone to fall into those temptations in the, when we're in the midst of that non-spiritual desolation. But the temptations, the lies, some of those vices can really be part of the enemy's plan for our life. You know, God has a plan for our life. The enemy also has a plan for our life. And in those times that we're more vulnerable to that and the enemy is pressing in, we can start to look, this is one of St. Ignatius's insights, rule 14 in his rules for discernment is in times of spiritual desolation, where are the temptations coming? Where are the lies coming? What are the vices that we're struggling with? Well, that's some of our stuff. That's some of our weaknesses. Father Gallagher uses this image of, you know, the enemy is a master attacker. And so if we can imagine a medieval fortress and the enemy is coming up to the wall and he's finding all the cracks in the wall, the places that the mortar has loosened up, the, where the bricks have separated, he's going to go after the place that's most thin, most attackable, and he's going to get a grip in that space and try to work his way into there. So in those times of spiritual desolation, we can start to see where some of the thin places are in our, our natural composition, our natural, our psychological vulnerabilities, things like that. So uh, all of that is to say that if we're not sensitive to some of these dynamics that are going on, the enemy can keep attacking us in the same places and he can keep knocking us down in the same ways. And if we take that in and we start to believe that lie, we start to act in accord with that particular vice. If we start to behave the way that he wants us to, we start to create patterns that we can really get stuck in. And that stuckness is what we call bondage. We get bonded in this. We start to lose some of our freedom to act because we've, we've really played into the enemy's plan for our life and we've gotten stuck on the hamster wheel. We've gotten stuck in the cycle and, and he keeps playing us and, and we keep coming back to that over and over again. And so there's, a, there's some psychological awareness that's in there, but there's also a spiritual dimension. The enemy wants to keep us on that hamster wheel. 
he wants to keep us on that merry-go-round. He wants to keep us stuck in that cycle. And so he keeps hitting us at the particular times that we're vulnerable. And as we become aware of those patterns, it can empower us to take the, the spiritual resistance and to start off on a, on a different path. And even then to look at opening ourselves to some psychological healing as well. Right. It, it seems like the enemy is... <laughs> he's a spiritual being. He's very bright. He can see what our weaknesses are and kick us while we're down. I was thinking about when you were talking about the discernment of spirits, I, I found it really interesting when I took a course in it. Everybody always says, do I feel peace about it? One of the things that shocked me really was that if you are trying to become more spiritual, to, to increase your, your faith, that feeling peace is truly a good thing. But some people who aren't on that path and they are living in mortal sin and don't care about it, they may feel peace at times when it's not necessarily the best thing. I, I thought that was really surprising. You're living a life of sin and, and really desiring to follow that lifestyle that maybe you'll get peace at times when your 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 conscience is just scarred or, you know, jaded. And, um, you know, maybe you'll feel a little disturbed by the Holy Spirit when you're doing something wrong. I thought that was interesting. You want to kind of, I know I kind of made a mess of that. <laughs> maybe you can <laughs> fix that. <laughs> yeah, well, St. Ignatius uh, sets the whole context of the rule. And he added a, that in after the fact as a, as a kind of caveat that, um, yeah, he sort of divides the world into two basic groups of people, those who are trying to follow God, those who are trying to live a good life, and those who are not. So I, I often just skip over that because I presume people that are listening to me are only listening to me if they're actually trying to live a good life. So I try to avoid <laughs> even talking about that because I don't want to add confusion to it. Sometimes people think, oh gosh, well, I struggle with sin and I sometimes do the wrong thing. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking no. about people that are really... Uh, set in going the wrong way like, like the mafia you know or right uh, you know hitler or something like that people were really right set in going the the wrong way so yeah people that are moving from bad to worse as opposed to people that are trying to move from good to better and uh right and probably everybody listening to our podcast is in the good to better category <laughs> so absolutely but i just found it fascinating i don't know that's my nerd coming out i guess <laughs> So can committing personal mortal sin open a person up to the influence of the enemy? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, mor mortal sin uh, is, is really serious. So mortal sin is doing something that's really bad, grave matter, with full freedom and full knowledge. So one could wonder how hard it is to even commit mortal sin, to be totally honest, because our freedom is so compromised by so many things. When someone scares us and we react against that, you know, that's not with full freedom, with full intent, with full knowledge. So mortal sin is really serious. It's really intentionally using my will to do something that's real bad. I mean, that's really destroying my communion with God. So the teaching on mortal sin, I mean, you know, the, the church teaches us that that destroys charity in the soul. It removes us from a state of grace. It destroys our relationship with God. I mean, it's real serious. Now, God in his mercy leaves us with hope and faith so that it's possible for us to repent. 
so we, we are actually able to be stirred in our conscience and we're able to believe that there is mercy that can set us free. And so that becomes the means of our repentance. But yeah, mortal sin's really serious. So it's like uh, the parable of the prodigal son, his decision to take his father's inheritance and just head out on his own. I mean, he, may, he exposed himself to all of the attacks of the enemy. I mean, he just went out into the wilderness with no protection. He left the safety, the security of his father's house. And we can look at that in a spiritual way. Uh, we don't want to do that. I mean, sin's bad. Sin's really bad. And I, I love, I'm inspired by saints like St. Maria Gretti, who just said it very simply, better to die than to sin. I mean, we really have to look at that. I don't think any of us wants to die and takes death really seriously, but better to die than to sin. Certainly mortal sin, but even venial sin. To intentionally commit a venial sin really weakens our will and, and really sets us up for um, bondage with the enemy, really gives him an invitation, gives him permission to work in us, gives rights to the enemy to work in us. We're, we're really saying to him, when we commit a, a venial sin, we're really cooperating with the enemy's plan. And we're really saying to him, I want to do what you want me to do. I want you to work for me. And I want to do this together with you. You know, a lot of times we talk about how God has no hands but ours, no feet but ours, no eyes but ours, no voice but ours. Neither does the devil. The devil also has no hands but ours, no feet but ours, no voice but ours, no eyes but ours. And, and when we commit sin, really, we're, we're playing into his hand. We're, we're carrying out his will. And, and we're hurting ourselves and we're hurting other people. In, in a way that's you know, obviously against charity, it's against God's plan. So yeah, that's uh, committing sin is, is really the, the pathway to bondage. And so even the, the church's teaching is repeated venial sin, intentional venial sin, can lead to mortal sin, can be a mortal sin. So uh, we just can't overdo it. We don't want to become scrupulous. I guess we could overdo it. You know, we could be afraid. We could be so afraid of committing sin that that, that becomes itself a problem. We get all bound up and we never do anything uh, charitable. We never do any good because we're so worried or, or you know, trying to, that's, that's a different kind of problem with scrupulosity. Yeah, afraid, afraid that you're going to make a mistake or something. So you just get frozen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different bondage. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that, how everything seems to be such a subtle balance. Like you said, you can't overdo it. And then, yes, you can overdo it. And yeah, I mean, like, it's all such a balance and, and really being aware of what the motivation is, where your heart is at the time, and uh, trying to be aware of, of that. And, and, and if you find yourself kind of veering off to one side or the other, just make that correction and, you know, move, move forward with the Lord. Yeah. And I really love uh, how Neil presents unbound in a way that's uh, not trying to go and, you know, find every nook and cranny in your life or he calls it introspective. I'm not the biggest fan of that word because I think introspection, you know, kind of looking internally is, is necessary and good in some ways, but he's talking about it in a way that's really like going deep, you know, we're going to, we're going to scan over every moment of childhood and try to find every possible thing that went wrong. And he says, no, 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 just start with where you're stuck now. You know, start with where you experience the bondage now. We're going to look at what God is ready to do today. 
that's the that's the starting point for us. So and just that self-awareness, that's the, the word that in the Ignatian land they also use, you know, the, the beginning of the rules for discernment. St. Ignatius says, be aware, to learn to be aware of what's happening, just to have a little internal thermometer, you know, something that we can kind of check and say, gosh, I'm I'm all full of anxiety right now. You know, what's what's that coming from? What's that about? Or I really have a hard time being charitable with this person. Why is that? You know, every time I'm around this person, something just comes up. Or I really have these bad feelings about myself. You know, I just keep feeling like I'm no good. I can't do this. I just I feel like I'm going to fail every time. I'm really afraid to act. You know, just being aware of some of that stuff that's going on inside and the, and the freedom even to say like, that's not what I, I, that's not how it's supposed to be. I'm, I meant for more than that. I meant for greater freedom. I meant for more peace. I'm, I meant to have the freedom to be charitable and to be around somebody without recoiling or needing to run away or needing to blow up or I lack freedom. There's a bondage. I'm bound in a way that it's not God's plan for my life. I meant for freedom. And so just that level of self-awareness is so extremely helpful. It's just the necessary first step that we can at least step apart from ourselves enough to see that. And blending back into Ignatian land for a moment, but I really like the way that Father Gallagher says, it's not myself in desolation, it's myself reflecting on myself in desolation, that I can kind of separate myself from myself enough to see what's happening, what's the dynamic that's playing out, what's, what's going on. And the interview for Unbound is really helpful for that too, that as I'm telling somebody about myself and about my experience, that's actually giving me some freedom from myself. And then when I'm offering the prayers, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of anger. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I'm no good. In the name of Jesus, you know, when I'm doing that, I'm stepping back from myself. I'm, I'm separating myself from the part that's bound up with those spirits and lies. And even in that, there's an experience of freedom that's really helpful. And then if I can set that other part of myself free from those spirits and lies, and then I can step back into that and, and act out of greater freedom. Right. We talked a little bit about how sin can open us up to, to the enemy and his influence, but also it doesn't necessarily have to be a person's own culpability that there is because we live in a world full of sin and sinners that sometimes we're wounded, especially the wounds that we've, we've gotten in childhood that sometimes it's through no fault of our own that the enemy can creep in, in all the weak places. And even people who have been wounded by others that those wounds do allow the evil one to uh, to manipulate and, and use those things against us. And yeah, we're in a world of sin. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and St. Ignatius says uh, the same thing, you know, when he talks about the reasons for desolation, one of them is that we did something, you know? So that's, that's good to be aware of. And that's what you and I were just talking about. But then also God leaves us in a little bit of desolation to experience our own weakness and also to deepen our trust in him. And as you said uh, very beautifully, you know, we do get wounded in our humanity and our psychology, and it's not necessarily our fault. Certainly somebody who's been just neglected as a child, not well cared for, let alone abused as a child, you know, it's not our fault. Certainly it's not our fault. And so we can see where some of that uh, woundedness may be 
And we can see how we may have also gotten caught up in certain dynamics of defensiveness or self-protection in ways that maybe were even necessary when we were young, but we're kind of ready to grow out of some of that. And taking a step out of that to renounce the enemy may also get his finger in those things. Again, when we're in desolation, we can sort of see where the cracks are. You know, it's like, it's like pouring water into a tire with a leak in it. You know, and it's sort of like you see where the, the hole is when you pour that water into it. That's kind of what desolation does for us is start to see where some of the holes are. And that's an opportunity to patch them, you know, and, and where are those things coming out of? Well, there's some psychological wounds there. And, and then maybe we've also given our will over to that eventually. Maybe somebody who was really treated poorly as a child uh, starts to develop an attitude that they're not good for anything, that they're just meant to be unhappy. And, and so they're going to try to just survive and not feel that they can really thrive in life. Well, that's a lie. That's not true. That's not true for anybody. That's right. And, and helping someone to, to step into their identity and their destiny, their identity as a child of God, a beloved child of God, and helping them to see what that person did to you was wrong. And let's let go of that. One of the ways that we let go of that definitively is by forgiving that person, saying, I'm not going to keep holding on to this uh, resentment, this grudge, this wound of the past. I'm going to let go of it and forgive that person and, and give them to Jesus. Just give that person to Jesus. And then I'm going to let go of that pattern. I've been running from my mother my whole life or whatever it is. I've been running from my, my brother and his bullying my whole life. I'm going to stop running now. I'm going to renounce the lie that I can't do it. I'm going to, I'm going to renounce that spirit of, uh, of, of fear and I'm going to renounce the lie of, of what I believe about myself. And I'm going to step into my identity as a beloved child of God. And we can make those steps, which are spiritual steps that we can take. And we can call down the power of the Holy Spirit in doing that. <laughs> Thank God that he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit because we can't do that on our own. You know, there's no way we can forgive someone who has deeply wounded ourselves or someone we loved. It's, it's the power of God that enables us to do that. You know, you were talking about these patterns, you know, people who actually out of their own abuse and their own self-protection had to put up those walls and not allow themselves to experience emotion or whatever it is. And, and now they've outgrown that and they could live in freedom. But I find so many people who they've lived in that habit of thought, that mindset for so long, it's very difficult for them to maintain their freedom in those respects. One of the things that I heard one of the Lozanas, I'm not sure which one in a talk, say that you shouldn't be praying for the same thing all the time. You shouldn't be in the same bondage all the time. But I've seen some people have very profound difficulty with maintaining their freedom in certain areas. Would you speak to that? Yeah, there are various things that could be, that could be in that. But I, I've really been edified by that, too, with, with Neil. He's, he's very good about saying, you know, did you renounce this already? Yeah, okay, good. Well, we're not going to do that again today. No, <laughs> it's like, you, you did that. So let's, let's see if there's something else that's kind of supporting it. That it's, like, uh, it's like when two things are intertwined uh, and you cut one of them, and it's still hanging on because it's actually intertwined with the other one that's still attached. <laughs> like, um, you, you know, you cut the other one, and then they both sort of get released. And 
so rather than yeah focusing on the same thing over and over again now it's true we do sometimes fall into the same sins and so in falling into sin again or reinforcing that pattern maybe we cut something free but then we we sort of fall back into things you know old patterns old habits die hard and we may find ourselves back in a place and it's and it's important to renounce again or Usually we don't have to forgive a second time. Usually it's a different aspect of the forgiveness that's emerging. But maybe we need to renounce something again or repent again, and, and that helps to move us back out. Uh, so there may be a, a, a place for repeating something, but it's not a matter of like, now, you know, once I finally renounce it 7,000 times, then, then I'm really going to be free. If I just keep renouncing it more and more, and <laughs> no, that's not, that, that may be its own thing that we need to take a look at but you're right the we don't need to just keep renouncing the same thing over and over again but in terms of staying free sometimes i know my own stuff and it's a little like i was saying with saint ignatius you know when i get triggered what are some of the places i go to i i start to know my own stuff after a while and i i know you know for for me I can go into a kind of debating mode. I, you know, I get like real fierce about uh, certain things and it's, it's self-protective at the same time that there is a zeal for truth there. It's, it's mixed, but all I know I'm getting real charged up, you know, my, my anger's getting engaged and I'm, uh, I'm going after something <laughs> and I can catch myself in that moment and just recognize now probably somebody has said something that's hurt me. Not that that's intentional on their part, but it's just a reality. They've, they've challenged something that's precious to me and I've gotten hurt by that. And I can forgive them for that in the name of Jesus. I forgive this person for hurting me, for uh, attacking my security, for making me feel uncomfortable, whatever it is. And then I can also just, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I have to defend myself in this case. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of anger. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of retaliation. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of defensiveness, whatever it is. I can start to go through a little bit of that litany. I know my own stuff. It helps me psychologically, for one thing, to be honest, just stepping back and being aware of what's happening. And the enemy wants to work his way into that. You know, I'm not going to have the same temptations in a time of spiritual consolation. When the, when the Holy Spirit is at work in me, I'm not falling into some of that stuff. So, so the enemy is also at work there, and I can just send him away. I'm not going to have any part of that and step back into a little freedom and take a deep breath that also helps you know and uh and then try to try to re-engage that person or that might happen after the fact maybe in the moment i don't even have the, the presence of mind to do that but after the fact i'm still steaming a little bit and i go oh gosh i just got hooked again you know <laughs> okay well let's just step back into some freedom and not reinforce that pattern in my life i find myself reacting sometimes to in the, the common ideas right now of when's the last time your kids have written in cursive? We don't need to teach this. We don't use it. And it's like, I get really upset by that because I think that we've dumbed down education so far that people really don't learn how to think logically and to separate themselves objectively and think. And being an educator, I saw how much the textbooks focused on emotion it's almost like more or less their emotional life is, is groomed instead of their intellectual lives. And I get annoyed and often react. It's almost like I feel like it's a righteous anger. <laughs> but I know that sometimes I may be a little too zealous. And 
come off as argumentative. Let's put it that way. You get way. a little emotional. So I guess we've got to find the balance there too. <laughs> <laughs> well, not emotional, but you know, uh-huh. the tongue gets a little snarky from time to time, you know? So yeah, it's all together. You know, the emotions are a beautiful part of, of human life. And I think if there's one value to what you were just describing, it would be especially the value of uh, just being aware, you know, like, what are you feeling? It just that in- level of interiority that there's something going on in me that I'm feeling something, you know? So um, that's uh that's a starting point, but yeah, we want to balance that together. Ultimately we want our, our emotions to be brought under the direction of our reason. And we want our reason to be guided by the will of God. You know, that's the proper, oriented stack. Uh, God determines our reason follows that and then our emotions are brought under our reason. But I, I like the statement of St. Thomas Aquinas. He says, you know, the, the reason rules over the emotions, but not like a master over a slave, rather like a noble ruler over free citizens. <laughs> and that's the way that our reason doesn't command our emotions but if you like children take them by the hand and lead them then we can have a healthy emotional life and that supports our intellectual life and our service of god and that's ultimately what freedom is about you know the the most meritorious act is the one where the reason and the emotions are in accord with the will of god Amen. now sometimes we can't we can't orient ourselves quite that way uh, because the emotions are, you know, they're disordered and, and the enemy also attacks that and we get disturbed by things uh, and we just have to act against them. But the most meritorious action is when all of that's lined up. And our reasons are incomplete. We see through a glass darkly. So also true. Yeah. we do the best we can <laughs> with what we have. That's right. give, give the rest to the Lord. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. You can subscribe to this podcast through iTunes or Google Play Music or just download a podcast app. Podcast Go is the one I use. Um, I also try to put them up onto YouTube, but it takes a little bit more work to get it to convert it into video format. You can also subscribe to our channel on YouTube. There are some show notes as well at exploringunbound.wordpress.com. Well, thank you, Father, for, uh, for being with us again today. And would you please end with a blessing? Heavenly Father, pour your grace into the hearts of our listeners that they can enjoy a greater freedom in self-awareness, and in calling on the power of God to help them to recognize the work of the enemy and to stand against his schemes and plans. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. You're so welcome.